I know Mark Latham from One Nation's okay, although he's a little cranky, uh, and I don't blame him because of this ridiculous scenario. Daniel, hi. Could you make me a woman? (laughs) Mark, good morning. How are you? G'day, Marcus. Yes, any man out there, if you identify as a woman, you too can be the New South Wales Woman of the Year, I mean. Well, way look, to undermine the credibility of an award process. I think so too. And if Robin Williams can pull it off, surely you or I could do it, mate. What do you think? Oh, yes, Mrs. Doubtfire, why not? Yeah. You've got to know a decent makeup artist, get an old frock <laughs> out, a bit of padding, and away you go. So, uh, yeah, he's our inspiration. Yeah, but look, uh, the serious side of this is that, uh, and I agree with you, um, why, again, are we playing uh, with traditions? I don't like the idea of um, a man being able, if you like, to become the New South Wales Woman of the Year. I mean, I, I'm all for inclusiveness and I understand the importance of, you know, uh, of setting some kind of example, but this is the wrong way, in my opinion, to go about it. Well, I suppose the serious point is it's incredibly disrespectful to the women, people born female, who are working very hard in community organisations, in country areas, helping out in times of emergency. You know, the unsung heroes, as as we call them. Um, to think that a woman is out there doing all that community work but can um, not win the award and instead it goes to uh, someone who's male who fills out on the form they're identifying as female, Yeah. well, you'd feel cheated, wouldn't you? And it probably discourages genuine community effort. So it makes a mockery of the awards. And unfortunately, uh, this has been going on for a couple of years. I, I was first aware of this in 2019 uh, when there was a um, transgender person from country New South Wales who was in the finalist list. So it's not a recent invention. And yeah. unfortunately, there's some uh, statute in New South Wales that defines a woman as someone who just identifies that way. It's got no biological basis. So we're often told, follow the science, follow the science. What's wrong with biological science? Well, you make a good point. Uh, and look, um, uh, people who listen to my program know that, um, you know, I am very conscious of uh, trans rights and all the rest of it. But, you know, this takes it, in my opinion, a step too far. All right. Uh, the roadmap announced yesterday somewhat. Uh, we haven't really got a date yet. But once, uh, you know, the Monday after we are 70 percent vaxxed here in New South Wales, we will see, see Greater Sydney and other areas come out of lockdown uh, like their regional cousins. Many people listening to you and I right now, Mark, are celebrating because up there on the mid-north coast, the far north coast and in other areas that take the program, they come out of lockdown unlike their Sydney cousins tomorrow. Yeah, they do, and I don't know why areas that have had zero COVID right through were ever locked down in the first place. Yep, fair so enough. So you know, when, you know, sort of an Orwellian use of the word freedom to give people back something that was taken away, uh, in some cases unreasonably. Thank you for saying that, because I got uh, I got uh, a couple of nasty emails yesterday. I don't understand why we need to call it Freedom Day, because we are free. This is Australia. As far as I'm concerned, I, I would much prefer October 14, whatever it ends up being, as Family Day. I think it's more important, you know, we call it Family Day, get families back together again. You know, I can see my son finally for his 21st and all the rest of it, and, uh, you know, Nana can hug the grandkids. I think it's far more important to call it Family Day rather than Freedom Day. You're right, it's very Orwellian. And on that question of family, one weird aspect of it is to say that five vaccinated people can come to your home and the inference that somehow... 
you'll be breaking the law unless you check, uh, check their medical papers to make sure the five are vaccinated, including children as young as 13. Can't so be I'm not placed. sure anyone's going to be, be doing that. No. I, see, this is the thing. I think they're more... I mean, they say they are public health orders and all the rest of it, but uh, what, are we going to have police going door to door and all the rest of it? No, I can't see that happening. I think it's more a, a tactic of trying to get people to conform. In other words, if you are fully vaxxed, you'll be able to do this. The only other concern, of course, that I do have, and are we going to create a, a two-tiered society, Mark? That is, uh, for the vaxxed and unvaxxed, if we have 20% or of the population of New South Wales unvaccinated, that means that a lot of pubs and a lot of clubs and a lot of RSLs and other places, um, you know, they're excluding quite a few people. Well, and sacking workers who, True. for whatever reason, aren't vaccinated. Some medical reasons, other people waiting for their preferred vaccine, others who are conscientious objectors, a lot of workers will be sacked. And I think this is a real issue because you're going to get a flood of unfair dismissal cases. Who's taking the liability for that? Uh, we will become a two-tier society. Some people call it medical apartheid, where I'm assuming the unvaccinated can still get their takeaway food at the shop front, as they have for the last 11 weeks in Sydney. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be looking a bit like the old South Africa, where certain people labelled <laughs> a certain way have got to get service from a particular window while others can go inside the premises. So, uh, you know, we've been through a lot of division, a lot of um, problems, disasters, really, over the past 18 months. Uh, this is a new divide in society when they really should be talking about how we bring people back together and become a genuine connected society again. Just a, a point of view from you on this. I've been pushing for a border bubble up there on the new, far New South Wales north coast. Tweet heads calling out of the twin towns, which are divided by ridiculous orange barriers where families can't reconnect, apart from over the barriers on Father's Day. And, um, you know, people with Ill serious illnesses, um, you know, are excluded from their families. You can't get across the border to lay your father to rest. You can't do a lot of things, which obviously are painting the Palaszczuk government in an unfavourable light. Now, surely that's northern New South Wales is having its restrictions eased, Mark. Does it not make sense to have a border bubble in place to at least allow people from, uh, I guess, these areas back into Queensland? Yeah, that would be common sense and regular yeah. compassion because those orange barricades on the back streets of Coolangatta there, I mean, that's got to be the saddest sight you'll ever see in a country where we're supposed to be one people one nation working together. I mean, why we've got these artificial state divides in a region like that, same at Albury, Wodonga. Uh, we've got to start stop thinking in terms of state borders. And as I mentioned earlier on, how do we bring people back in contact with each other to be a real society? There's yeah. millions of people suffering from isolation, loneliness, mental health problems. And I'm afraid um, orange barricades and making people exchange gifts like it's uh, sort of the old East Germany the old Berlin Wall, I mean, that shouldn't be the Australian way and um, the state premiers should pull their heads in.